Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. I want to turn your attention to just one verse this morning, and it's found in the book of Nehemiah, which is in the clean pages of the Bible where there's no finger marks. I want to have a look today at just one verse found in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 12. And in a couple of moments, the title of my message today is The Power of God-Given Vision. The power of God-given vision. Because what I believe is that God is about to do something in this church. And what God is about to do in this church is not just up to your pastor or the pastoral teams, but it's up to every person in this place rising to do what God has placed you on the earth to do, beginning to step into the calling of what He has placed upon your life. And what we're going to see today is that the God that we serve is a God of plans and purposes. Do you remember when Jeremiah was inspired by God to write to the exiles? And in what we know as chapter 29 and verse 11, as part of a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles, he said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So our great God is a God of plans and purposes. He's not just a God that just allows things to happen randomly or haphazardly. He is at work. He is at work in this church. He is at work in your life. He is at work in your family. And He wants to do bigger things than at the moment we are envisioning. But the question today is, how can we align ourselves with what God is wanting to do? So I want to put this thought of God-given vision into a biblical framework. And one of the most visionary leaders or men in Scripture is this man called Nehemiah. Now, the background of Nehemiah is that Judah, or the nation of Judah, was in exile in Babylon. And Nehemiah was a public servant. He was the cupbearer to the Persian king, King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah's brother had just returned to Jerusalem and it had come back. And so Nehemiah asked him, How is the state of the city of our fathers? And Nehemiah's brother's answer was alarming. He said, The walls have been broken down, the gates have been burned with fire, and the people feel vulnerable and exposed. And when Nehemiah heard about the state of the city of his fathers, it says there that he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. He was moved about the state of the city of his fathers. And by the way, friends, that is the place where vision is born. Whatever burdens you, whatever is touching your heart, that is the soil into which God can plant the seed of vision. Sometime later, the king noticed that Nehemiah's face was sad. And the king said, I know you're not sick, but why are you so sad? And Nehemiah transparently responded that he couldn't be happy while his father's city was in ruins. He couldn't be happy while there was a need to be met. He couldn't be happy when things were not as they should have been. He couldn't be happy when he knew in his own heart that he could do something that could make a difference in his city. And so the king said, well, what's your request? And then Nehemiah boldly made the request to be sent back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah said, Because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. And by the way, friends, when God's purpose and God's timing align, 
You're going to know favor that you've never known before. You're going to know provision. You're going to know open doors. You're going to have the right people at the right time who will support you and believe in you to do what God wants you to do because there comes a time of favor upon our lives. So Nehemiah and a team made the arduous journey all the way from Babylon back to Jerusalem. He was there for three days. And on the third night, he went out to do a survey of the extent of the damage. And that's where we come to our text. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 12 reads, I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And based on Nehemiah's example, I want us to have a look at the nature of God-given vision. What is God-given vision? And from this verse, we can see a number of things that help us to describe and understand what it is when we've got a God-given vision. Number one is this. Vision is what God places in our heart. What is God-given vision? Vision is what God places in our heart. Nehemiah 2, verse number 12 again, he said, I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Many months before, he'd been fasting, he'd been praying, he'd been calling out to God. He was grieved over the city of his fathers. But at some point, not identified in Scripture, the Lord downloaded to him. The Lord put something into his heart. He didn't tell anybody else. He didn't reveal it to anybody else. He just had something that was inside of his heart, a vision to go back and to rebuild the walls. And this vision would define and distinguish his leadership. And what God had placed in his heart would give him and his followers clarity and focus and intention about the future. And to me, this is the best definition of vision I can find in the Bible. What is vision? It's what God places inside of our heart. It's what God places into our heart. And I want to ask you today, what has God placed in your heart? And maybe like Nehemiah, you haven't told anybody else. Maybe you feel like Joseph, that if you tell others what's in your heart, they will be saying to you, oh, you're just a dreamer. Who do you think you are to have a vision like that? But you know that you know that you know deep down in your knower that God has spoken to you, that God has put something inside of you. I want to ask you today again, what has God placed inside of your heart? Maybe God has placed in your heart that you would rise up to be a prophetic voice to your church and to the nation. Or maybe God has put in your heart that you would work in a refuge and care for the homeless and care for the lonely and be the hands of Jesus and be the heart of Jesus and be the voice of Jesus. Or maybe God has put in your heart that you would bring the healing power of Jesus to the nations of the world. Or maybe God has put in your heart that you would write songs that would bring glory to God. We thank God for the songs from Los Angeles and London and from Sydney. But how about songs that are written about what God is doing in Shell Harbor? Songs that would reflect what God is doing and saying in this place. Or maybe God has put in your heart that you would have a creative, innovative idea in business that would generate great income that could finance the work of missions in the developing world. Or maybe God has put in your heart that you would build an orphanage or you would build a refuge for 
somebody in the third world, or maybe God has put in your heart that you would become a missionary and head into that environment and to make a difference for God. What has God placed in your heart? Because I believe this year, God is calling this, this church to rise up, to be engaged, and to be mobilized. And for this church to be everything that God has called it to be, it's not just how great the preaching is, or how great the music is, or how great the building is, but it's every person operating in their God-given gift, functioning in their God-given given uh, vision in Jesus' name. Let me tell you a story. I've got a friend called David, and David pastors a very large church in Melbourne, in fact, the church that we are based at. And when David was a very young child, he was on holidays in the Flinders Ranges. And he remembers vividly that as he was walking along, he was walking over a sandy, rocky hilltop, and in the distance he saw a couple of birds of prey that were circling around and around, and he was quite intrigued by that, so he went over to have a look. When he came over the crest of the hill, in the distance he saw a goanna, this big goanna over there. And normally, as, as you know, they're very lethargic creatures. And for, for those of you who are not from Australia, a, a, goanna to, a, a goanna is a monitor lizard. It can grow up to about 1.5 meters long. Uh, unlike most things in Australia, it's non-venomous. Um, non and it's one of those these sluggish creatures found in every place in Australia except Tasmania. And anyway, so he was walking over the top of the hill. In the distance, he sees a goanna, and, and the goanna is waving its tail wildly. Its head is going up and down, and he's intrigued by this because he knows they're normally lethargic creatures. So he goes over to have a look, and as he gets closer, he notices, he notices blood all over the lizard's face, and he went over to have a look still. And what happens is this. Those birds of prey that are circling do not have the power to kill the lizard. So what they do is they keep swooping down to pluck out its eyes. And when it loses its eyes, it can't find food, it can't find water, it can't defend itself, and it eventually and inevitably dies. And then those birds of prey just come down and begin to eat away at that lizard because it lost its vision. It lost its capacity to know where it was going and eventually died. And when David told me that story, I thought that's a great insight into the strategy of Satan against many Christians. He doesn't want you to be activated in church. He wants you to be visually handicapped spiritually. He doesn't want you to pursue your God-given vision. He wants you to be someone that is immobilized and disempowered. He doesn't mind you coming to church. He doesn't mind you worshiping God. He doesn't mind you listening to sermons every week. That, that's okay. But when you start doing what God has placed inside of your heart to do, you start to become a threat. So whenever the devil attacks you, he's going to attack that God-given vision. Because in a different metaphor, if he can crush the seed, he will destroy the harvest. And so he's going to come and maybe he will use discouragement where you have an expectation that's up here. But the reality often comes way down here. Or maybe you've been praying and praying and praying for something and nothing happens like Abraham for 25 years. Nothing happens over and over again. Barren years, barren years, no answer. And you come to the conclusion, oh, that must have been me. That can't have been God. Or maybe there comes that, that sense of condemnation. Who do you think you are? 
to have a vision like that? Who do you think you are to dream dreams like that? Who do you think you are that God would raise you up to do something like that? Come on, have a look at yourself. Who do you think you are? And what happens is over a period of time, we just let that seed die and what is in our heart becomes submerged and becomes suffocated by all the busyness of life and all the things we have to do and the worries of life. But I believe this today. The same Jesus that healed the eyes of Bartimaeus is the same Jesus who is walking among us through the person of the Holy Spirit today. And with this one touch from the Lord today, your vision can be revived. Your vision can be restored. That you would start to pray the prayers you used to pray. You would start to believe for the things you used to believe in. That you would begin to expect what God is about to do. Because I believe this church is so much bigger than Pastor Shane's vision because his, his role is to empower you to do what God has placed in your heart also. But vision is what God places inside of our heart. Number two, what is vision? Vision is a revelation. Vision is a revelation. Nehemiah received the vision to rebuild the walls as a revelation from God. It was an insight into the plans and the purposes of God. Because one of the great things about our God is He reveals His plans and purposes. God's native language is revelation. God reveals Himself. God puts things inside of our heart. That's how you can know the difference between a, a natural vision, one that's conceived in our mind, to a supernatural vision that's been birthed by God. What is the source? Did it come from natural thinking processes and inspiration? Or did it come by revelation, where God has put that thing inside of your heart? In theology, we believe that God knows all things past, God knows all things present, and God, God knows all things in the future. Or in other words, we believe that our God has got a simultaneous and conscious knowledge of everything that has taken place, everything that is taking place and everything that will take place. We believe in the foreknowledge of God. God's before the event knowledge of what is going to take place in the future. Vision is when God takes a fragment of his foreknowledge, a fragment of his before the event knowledge of the future, and he puts it into your heart. He reveals it to you. He takes something of what he knows that we will be and we will do. He takes that and he puts that inside of our heart. Maybe you've been at an altar or maybe you've been in a time of prayer or maybe like Nehemiah, you've been grieving over something in the nation or, or in the city. Maybe someone has prophesied over you and something has just burst inside of you. That was God revealing to you something of what he wants to do in you and through you. I remember when I was a young pastor, and I'm still a young pastor, but when I was a very young pastor with long, dark hair, I remember God put in my heart that I would impact the nations of the world. I told you that story when I was here last year. Uh, God put it in my heart. But what I didn't realize, God had to make the person, and that was his priority over his purpose, that he's more concerned about what he does in us than what he does through us. And I remember as a young man having these visions about going to nations and making a difference in the nations of the world. It was God giving me a glimpse of what he knew he's going to do in my life and to put it inside of me. It's what God puts inside of our heart and it comes to us 
as a revelation. And the scripture is filled with people who received God-given vision. For example, God gave Noah the vision of an ark and he built it. God gave Abraham the vision of a city and he searched for it. God gave Moses the vision of a promised land and he led the people right to the borders of it. God gave the Apostle Paul a vision to evangelize the Gentiles and he covered the Roman world with the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. All I can say today is what has God placed in your heart? What has he revealed to you? What has he put inside of you? And you think about some of the great leaders who've lived throughout the centuries, what God had done through them. People like, like this. For example, William Wilberforce, this parliamentarian in, in the United Kingdom. And at the time of the English slave trade, he was provoked that people were being uh, traded in the world today. And I don't know if you realize, but there are 10 times more people in slavery and being trafficked today than at the height of the English slave trade. The latest statistic is 27 million people living who are being trafficked or in slavery today. We need a new generation of men like him uh, to rise up in our nation and beyond to be, to be a voice. And for over 20 years, he battled in that parliament until that law was overturned and it became illegal to trade slaves in the United Kingdom. And all I can pray is, oh God, in this place today, let women rise up. Let men rise up who've got a heart like this young Christian man that wants to make a difference in the nation and the nations. And I want to also highlight today one of my heroes, a guy called David Livingston. And when he was a young Scottish guy, God put in his heart to go to Africa. And he went where no white man had ever gone before. And he pierced right into the heart of Africa. He blazed a trail. And I mean, through his ministry, he didn't see many people come, come to Jesus. In fact, some people believe it was only one. But he made a way where missionary after missionary came so that now Southern Africa is one of the most Christian areas in the entire earth and the church is thriving all because one man went where no one had ever gone before. He obeyed God. He did what God put in his heart to do and the whole continent was touched. And I pray today that we would recapture that sense of adventure about our Christian life. We are not just called to have some mundane boring life that just keeps going through the same things and on Sunday we have this little appendix called the church I pray that we recapture that we are alive like Esther at such a time as this we are called to do something that nobody else will do and as we pursue what God has placed in our heart we can make a difference in our nation maybe your neighborhood maybe your street it may just be in one person's life but you can make a difference in Jesus name or you think about that great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. When he was a, a young man, as, as a German studying in the United Kingdom, God put in his heart a vision to preach in Africa, all the way from Cape Town in the south to Cairo in the north. And God has used him in phenomenal ways, like in an unprecedented way. I mean, he's slowly retiring now, and there's, an, there's another guy that's taken over. But a couple of years ago, he had over one million people saved in one meeting in Nigeria. Over one million people. Astonishing, because he did what God revealed that he, he should do. N number three, why does God give him vision? We've seen that vision is what God places inside of our heart. 
We've seen that vision is a revelation. But thirdly, vision is what you see beyond your natural sight. Vision is what you see beyond your natural sight. Because remember the context. Here is Nehemiah walking around the broken walls and the burnt and the burnt gates of Jerusalem. In a physical, material sense, Jerusalem was an absolute mess. That is what his eyes could see. But there was something inside Nehemiah that illumined not only his eyes, but his heart and his mind. He had a God-given vision. He didn't just look at the physical realities. He looked at what God had placed inside of his heart. What is vision? Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. Because often what you see with your eyes closed is more real than what you see with your eyes open. Because sometimes we look at the facts and we look at the obstacles and we look at all the evidence and they all persuade us very persuasively that it cannot happen. Come on, look at the facts. It can't happen. You're this insignificant little person living south of Sydney in this rain log part of Australia. Who do you think you are? But there's something inside of you that says, but I know that God has spoken to me. Let me give you an example. Here we are in this great auditorium this morning, and there's a suspended ceiling above us where we're on concrete underneath us with, with carpet over the top and there's walls around us. And all of these are real, aren't they? This wall is real. We can touch it. We can smell it if you want to. We can taste it if you really want to. And we can feel that thing. That is a reality. But there's another reality in this room that we cannot see, and that is this. The Lord is here. The angels of God are here. The Holy Spirit is moving among us. The Holy Spirit is taking my general words and He's applying them to your heart and your life. And His presence cannot be seen. But I would suggest to you, friends, the presence of the Lord that's in this place this morning is more real than the walls that I can see with my eyes. And I'll tell you why. Because these walls are temporary and they are transitory. And one day they're going to decay and they are going to fall. But the presence of the Lord is eternal. The love of the Lord is unfathomable. The power of the Lord is unstoppable. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what evidence, no matter what things are coming against you that say, no, it will never happen, to shut your eyes to the physical reality and begin to focus upon the eternal living God who is right here, right now, living in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you today in the name of Jesus, don't just focus on all the things that are wrong, but begin to focus upon a God who can do no wrong. Begin to really call out to Him and say, Lord, I believe you. Let me, let me give you an example from, from, from Scripture. You almost got excited then. Now remember, I'm used to preaching to Africans, so I like a bit of noise every now and then. In, in, uh, in Romans 4, uh, the Apostle Paul had been speaking about God as the God who, who calls things that are not as they will be, and God is the God who raises the dead. And as an example of that, he, he, he points us to Abraham. And it says there in, in, uh, in Romans 4 that Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Now listen to this. These are the facts. He's 99 years old. As a fact is, the biological, scientific, medical fact is, hey, Abraham, you're past the age of procreation. You are now a sterile old man. Look, face the facts. Medical science says this. It cannot happen. And the facts would say, hey, and, hey Abraham, have you seen your wife recently? 
She's 90. She's infertile. The medical, biological, scientific facts would say it cannot happen. But the verse doesn't end there. It says, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. In other words, Abraham looked beyond the facts. He looked to the faithfulness of God who had made the promise. He looked beyond the facts to the power of God, the power that is able to do what he had promised. And he said, I recognize those facts. I acknowledge those facts, but there's something inside of me. I have a word from God, so I'm going to look beyond those facts and I'm going to believe you. And it took a long time because God's purposes always have a time frame. Uh, but he came, he received that baby. So I want to say to you today, friends if your vision seems further away than it's ever been if all the obstacles are against you if all the evidence is saying it will never happen i encourage you shut your eyes and begin to focus upon the eternal living god who promises us things and put things inside of our heart let me give you another example that one when um, Elisha was revealing to the king of Israel where the king of Aram was going to attack and the king of Aram got ticked off and so he sent his army and surrounded Elisha's town of Dothan and, and uh, Elisha's servant Gehazi woke up in the morning and walked outside and he sees the horses and chariots of the king of Aram and like a frightened child he goes running back in and says oh my lord my lord what shall we do listen to what Elisha said it's very powerful he said do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them and then Elisha prayed oh Lord open his eyes that he may see but if you wait a minute his eyes are already open he can see the horses and the chariots of Aram he can see all the physical things that are against them what 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 is Elisha praying here Lord open his eyes so that he can really see and then the bible says the lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the horses and the chariots of fire that there was a greater force that was for them very powerful thing and you'll notice earlier on that that elisha said there those who are with us are more than those who are with them i want you to listen to this today and if you've come to church for no other reason listen to this there is a greater power that is for you than all the power that is against you. There is a greater power here today that's working to accomplish your vision than all the power that is standing against your vision. And I urge you today in the name of Jesus, stop talking about all oh, the big bad devil this and the big bad devil that. Start talking about the great, eternal, mighty, living God who put something inside of you. Start believing in Him and start praising Him and start trusting Him because He's going to do something phenomenal in your life unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think or imagine to him be glory both now and forevermore may we today close our eyes to the things that are against us and begin to focus upon the eternal god and so what is god-given vision vision is what god places inside of our heart it is a revelation a divine disclosure of what god wants to do in and through our lives it's a future picture that's imparted to us by God of what He wants to do inside of us. Vision 
is to see something that is not happening just yet as it will be. We just know that we know God has put something inside of their heart. It reminds me of that quote by George Bernard Shaw. And uh, he wasn't a Christian at all, far from it. Uh, Fabian Socialist, co-founder of London School of Economics, Oscar winner, playwright. But he had this great quote. He said, some men see things as they are and they say, why? He said, I dream things that never were and I say, why not? And all I can say is, friends, when God has put something inside of our heart, can we not say today with faith, why not? Why can't this church be so big that it cannot be ignored? Why can't there be things happen through this church that will be a redemptive, transformative presence in Shell Harbor and beyond? Why not? Why can't God break out in the high schools and the primary schools of this whole area so that we have young people who are not influenced by the culture but who influence the culture in Jesus' name? Why can't God do what God has what He's put inside of your heart to do? Why not? So just, just before I close, and I've just, just got a couple of minutes left, let me just give you some applications about what we should do if God has given us a vision, and I'll give you the abridged version. I'll go really, really fast. Number one, if you've got a God-given vision, you need to affirm it. You need to speak it out. And Jesus told us that the primary place where we make confessions of faith is in prayer, in our, in our time, time with Him. If you speak to your mountain, He said in, in, Mark, in Mark 11, in other words, that we align our confessions of faith, that we affirm what God has put in our heart in the context of prayer. For most of us, our self-talk is negative. Oh, I knew that wouldn't happen. Nothing good ever happens to me. Oh, I knew that business idea would fail because I'm always a failure. I'm this and I'm that. Can I say to you today with love, oh, shut up. Stop saying those negative things that are inconsistent with the Word of God, with the heart of God, and with the purpose of God, and alter your vocabulary to be consistent with what God has said. I want to encourage you to begin to let your voice be heard and begin to speak the things before the Lord in prayer that He has spoken to you. I'll tell you this. I believe that we are about to see a generation rise up in the Middle East, the likes of which we have never seen before. The devil is trying to do it through this godless, barbaric group called IS. But I believe that God is about to raise up a generation of young men and young women in the Middle East, the likes of which we have never seen before, who will do incredible good for God that will absolutely nullify what the devil is up to. You say, well, where's the evidence? It's right here. And I'm going to speak it out because I absolutely believe it. I believe that we're going to see 250 missionaries raised up in five years in our mission to go to places where no one is going at the moment and to engage at least 55 least reach people groups. That's the vision that's inside of my heart. I will affirm that. I will speak it out. N number two, if you've got a God-given vision, make yourself available to Him. Like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord... He then saw himself. And when God showed him the true state of his heart, it was like his eyes were opened. He was self-righteous and he's supposed to be the prophetic voice to his country and he's speaking no differently than those people. God revealed to him what's inside of his heart. May, as I'm speaking right now, the Lord reveal to you the state of your heart as well. And that we, we would be like Isaiah. When we really understand what Jesus has done for us, that we would say, say today, Lord, here am I, send me. 
If you believe today you haven't got what it takes to do what God has called you to do, if you believe today you haven't got the resources to do what God has called you to do, if no one believes in you, if no one affirms you, if no one encourages you at all, I want to say today, you are perfect. Because they're the type of people that God chooses. He doesn't choose the, the likely ones. He chooses the most unlikely ones, the insignificant ones, because he wants the world to know, this is me, not them. And I'm going to do this work. So you may feel completely riddled by insecurities and inadequacy. And you may feel like no one has ever affirmed what God has put in your heart to do. This is what you need to do. Lord, I'm yours. I'm available to you to do what you want me to do. Number three, to pray. If you've got a God-given vision, you need to pray about that. And I'm not talking about lukewarm, pathetic, half-hearted prayer. I'm talking about fervent, passionate, really heartfelt prayer that calls upon the Lord. If you've got a God-given vision, don't be like Doris Day and just go, okay, sirrah, sirrah, and everyone under 40 doesn't know what I'm talking about. But that you would be someone who would begin to really press in and pray that God would fulfill what He has spoken to you. Number four, if you've got a God-given vision, develop your character and develop your skills because it's one thing to have a vision, but what God is more concerned about is what is happening inside of us, that we have got the character to sustain the call and the gift that God has placed upon our life. Num number five, a fifth way or response to God-given vision is to be around visionary people to be around other people who are visionary, to be very careful who you listen to. I don't know how to say this nicely, but I want to encourage you, don't mix with pinheads. Don't mix with these small-minded negative people who can tell you every human reason why you can't do what God has placed inside of your heart to do. If you've got a God-given vision, be careful who you listen to. I once heard a preacher say, some people are so narrow-minded they can look through a keyhole with both eyes. I don't want to be around people like that. I want to be around people of faith, people of life, people who believe God. I don't serve a small God. I don't serve an insignificant God. I don't serve a God of limited power. I serve a great and a glorious God, a God of infinite power. So I don't want to surround myself with negative, destructive, small-minded pinheads. I want to surround myself with great people of great faith in Jesus' name. Number six, there's only seven. Number six, how can we respond to God-given vision? This is the most frustrating part of it. You've got to wait for God's timing. Wait for God's timing. One, one of the things you realize about the purposes of God is that God's purposes always have a time frame. God is never in a hurry and God is never slow. God has got a perfect time. And I once heard a preacher say, God is old and God is slow. <laughs> in other words, God takes his time and God does what he wants to do when he's ready. Take Joseph for an example. 17 years of age, God gives him the dream of the sun, moon, and stars bowing down, down to him. But it wasn't until 13 years later that those dreams began to come to pass. There was a process of God working in him to prepare him to be the man to, to fulfill what God had placed in his heart. So please, don't be frustrated by the test of delay. Or like Abraham, 75, when he had the vision, uh, when he had the word from God, he was going to have a son. And yet he was 99 to 100 when Isaac was born. Don't be frustrated. It will happen. And uh, 
I had an experience once that walking around the block, not knowing what God had next, a little bit like Pastor Shane. When I'd recovered, I didn't know what God had next. And I've come to the conclusion this is how God leads, that God leads silently, then slowly, then suddenly. That's how God leads, so, uh, uh, silently, then slowly, and suddenly. So if God is silent at the moment, that doesn't mean God's not working. It just means you're not ready or the circumstances aren't ready. But when the time begins to align, slowly begin things to open up and then, uh, then suddenly the, break, the breakthrough comes. Wait for God's timing. Number seven, last one. How can we respond to our God-given vision? I want to encourage you to pursue it, to pursue that God-given vision. Remember the words of Philippians uh, 2, verses 12 and 13, where Paul wrote, not that I have already obtained it, I haven't become perfect, I'm not what I, I could be. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on to lay hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Those words there in English, press on, translate a Greek word which was a metaphor, and it was used in chariot racing. When you're racing another chariot, I'm pressing on, I'm going after, I'm pursuing, I'm hunting down, I want to overtake, I want to make, I want to, I want to catch this thing. It's a vigorous word, not a passive word. So if you've got a God-given vision, can I urge you today, don't be passive, but go after it in Jesus' name. Get hungry for what God took hold of, of, of you for. Respond to what is placed inside of your heart. And the consequence was, in Nehemiah's case, he rebuilt the walls in 52 days. There was an accelerated blessing upon Nehemiah, and what would normally take years took days. 52 days he re rebuilt the walls. And I just believe that God's going to do an accelerated, quick, powerful work in this church like you've never seen before. But it's not, not just us, uh, up to your pastor or the pastoral team, but every person in this place saying, Lord, I'm yours. You put stuff inside my heart. I want to step into that in Jesus' name. So I would love, love to pray just a, a, prayer, a prayer over you today, a prayer of blessing and a prayer for Pastor Shane and a prayer that God would just do incredible things over you in Jesus' name. So would you mind standing with me, please? Thank you. Sorry to wake you, but if you wouldn't mind standing. I invite you please just, just to close your eyes we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit he is here our God is a God of plans and purposes our God knows what he's doing our God reveals to us what he wants to do in us and through us I want to ask you today what has God placed in your heart? What does He reveal to you? What do you see with your eyes shut? What do you know God wants to do in you and through you? Just as we stand in the presence of God, could you please just in quiet prayer, just affirm, that God-given vision. Just speak it out before the Lord. Don't, don't be passive. Don't just speak in tongues, but intelligibly articulate what it is 
that God has placed inside of your heart. If you don't believe that you've got a vision at the moment, ask God to put something inside of you that He wants to do through you. do what Isaiah did when he heard the voice who will go for us whom shall I send he said Lord here am I send me and I'm wondering today just pray pray if we could just commit devote surrender our lives to God and his purposes afresh and just make ourselves available to him to do whatever he wants to do in us and through us where you are, please, would you just please just raise up your hands to God as a sign of surrender, making yourself available to Him today for what He wants to do inside of you. for people who may feel like the Goanna I mentioned before. You feel like you once used to pray prayers, you once used to believe for things, but it's like that your eyes have been plucked out. I want to pray today that God would just revive and renew the vision that is placed inside of you. So if you would like prayer for that particular thing, would you just please raise your hands before the Lord. I'm going to pray for you today for a restoration of vision. Then I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over this house. Hallelujah. Lord, you are the living and eternal God. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the I am that I am. You are our creator. Lord, we thank you that you're the one who chose us. We did not choose you, but you chose us. We thank you we're here today because, Lord, of divine calling. We are yours. And I thank you that, Lord, you reveal your plans and purposes to us. And I call out for those, Lord, who feel that, Lord, what's been placed in them has been robbed. I ask you today in the name of Jesus that you would restore them, that you would heal them, that you would make them whole, Lord, that, Lord, the old prayers would begin to be revived, that, Lord, that you would just restore their sight today in the name of Jesus, that they they will begin to pursue what you've placed inside of their heart to do. Let their eyes be awakened. And Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I speak your covering over this house, over every person that is here, and over every person that is represented here. I pray that, Lord, that Shell Harbor Church, I pray we'll be a church of significance, a church of community, a church of strong relationships, a church of generosity, a church of prayer, Lord, a church of influence, a church, Lord, where your purposes are accomplished. I pray that today the people would rise up in this house and do what you have called them to do. And 
Father, today we join our faith together and we pray for Pastor Shane and Rachel that, Lord, your hand will be upon them. I pray that, Lord, you will continue to just bring total rest, total peace, total healing to them, that, Lord, they may may return in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Restore, transform, rejuvenate it, Lord, by you. I thank you, Father, for the history of this church, but I'm more excited, Lord, about its future, about what you are going to do. And I pray that, Lord, through everything, you would receive glory and honor. And I thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.